Welcome to Civil Discourse. This podcast will use government documents to illuminate the workings of the American government and offer context around the effects of government agencies in your everyday life. And now your hosts, Nia Rogers, public affairs librarian, and Dr. John Augenbaugh, political science professor. Hey, Augie. <laughs> Good morning, Nia. I want to be in charge of the Space Force. Ah. I think that I would look fabulous in the new uniforms that they've come up with. Oh, yeah. I think that it would be awesome to run a, you know, a space force. Don't you think I'd be great at, I don't know, what you, what would the rank be in space? Do they use the Air Force ranks maybe, or are they going to use, like, separate, different? Uh, you know, that's a really good question. I, I, I'm, I'm, again, as usual in these conversations that we have, I'm back a couple clicks. My mind is thinking about all the things that you have said on the podcast that you've wanted to be. I know. Okay, I want okay. to be everything. Okay. So I, I, I just. Basically, I want to be a dictator with not mean. <laughs> I want to be a nice dictator. So I just want to be very. I don't know if there are any of those, but. Okay, so uh, our first episode, you wanted to be uh, the Secretary of Health and Human Services. Okay. Which he's gotten some really good, interesting work right these days with the coronavirus and stuff. Yes. He's been actually doing, he's been out in front. Yes. Okay. Mr. Azar. You wanted to be the Secretary of Defense, State. Because you said you wanted to be just like Madeleine Albright at one point. Yes, because she's fabulous. Okay. Tell me who doesn't want to be like Madeleine Albright. You've also indicated that you want to become a, a Supreme Court justice. Though, interestingly enough, you also mentioned you didn't actually want to rule on cases. You just wanted to be in one of those, would you call it snappy black robes? Okay. <laughs> with the, with, with the with lace the thing around the top <laughs> and the pearls? Oh, yes. yeah. Yeah, right? I can rock that look, baby. <laughs> yeah, okay. And I can sleep at the State of the Union just as well as anybody else. I'm just saying. Any of the other Supreme Court justices. Oh, you also wanted to be president. You, well, yeah. Okay. You did not indicate much enthusiasm for being in the leadership of either House of Congress. I have not. I've, I wanted to be the junior senator from well i wanted to be the senior senator and then you said that was kane and i didn't want to hurt kane's feelings no that's that's warner kane oh, is kane, he's the junior kane, senator kane is the junior senator oh so i guess i want to be the senior senator i mean not that i don't like mark warner too i'm yeah. sure they're lovely people okay so i so but now but i don't want to be speaker okay. oh my gosh what a terrible job although you get the gavel which is kind of fun and it would be cool if you could actually hit people with the gavel or throw it across the room i thought you said that you wanted to be a dictator but not be mean that would right. sort of suggest that you're being mean well i mean hit them like on their knuckles not like on their heads or anything okay now now you're triggering me <laughs> no i don't want to be a nun <laughs> okay. i don't want to be yeah, a nun I, teaching I, especially a kid like you I'm which i to... imagine you just wore out their rulers with your knuckles <laughs> you know i, I <laughs> I'm, I'm recalling, shall we say, uh, various disciplinary sessions <laughs> that I encountered in Catholic school. Uh, I'm, I'm not entirely sure I can go on now. Uh, anyways. But I do. I want to be all the things. Okay. Actually, I don't. I want to understand all the things. A lot of it seems mysterious to me. Thus, like, your interest in today talking about the Space, space Force. Force. It seems kind of mysterious. I mean, it sounds cool. I have to admit, it does sound like a cool thing, like, ooh, Space Force, you know. Um, it also sounds a little bit like a cartoon from Saturday morning, so I'm a little worried about that. But Yeah, some I mean, com some it, it, comedians have, have have gone that route. You know, that, that it's a, yes. that it's like a cartoon. Yes. But I mean it seems like it's you know, a thing, right? Okay. Well, I mean, let's just say hypothetically, 
um, uh, uh, we have a president like President Trump. <laughs> Let's say we have one. Okay, that's okay. good. That's a good start. Okay. Um, and uh, they want to propose this new agency, okay, Space Force, okay? Um, it may be, you know, uh, the new military division in the Department of Defense, right? That's, oh, yeah, I guess that would make us six, right? Because we have five currently. That's correct. So that would put that would make it even. That okay. would be nice if you were having some sort of tug of war. Uh, well, numerologists would say um, uh, uh, you want uh, even numbers of things. Okay. Oh, okay. Yeah. I, I didn't know that. I, did, I don't know anything about numerology. I, you know. Uh, and now I know that even numbers are good. I perused the literature, and that's about <laughs> the extent of my knowledge. Okay. Okay. But at some point in time, okay, uh, no matter how fervently a president wants a new agency or a new unit to a department or an agency, they're going to have to get the United States Congress to uh, create it because Congress has the authority and Congress alone has the authority to create new agencies. Congress alone. Okay. So the president cannot... Well, the president can veto it, but the president can't just go ahead and issue an executive order and say, okay, voila, we have a space force. So to give you an example, post 9-11, you may recall that uh, um, President 43, uh, Bush number two, um, uh, created a director of Homeland Security who was Tom Ridge, but he could not create an agency. He actually had to convince Congress to create a Department of Homeland Security. Without Congress um, passing an authorizing uh, bill, which then the president gets to sign or veto, okay? Uh, a president can't just go ahead and wake up tomorrow morning and say, voila, I want a new agency and I now want money. So when Nixon made the EPA, he had to get Congress to make the EPA. Yes. So he had to make the case. Yes. And he had to get people on his side. Yes. But all of that is irrelevant if Congress is like, ah, we don't need any clean water, clean air. It's all overrated. Go away. Yes. Yep. Okay. So so what President Trump is doing now with the uniforms and the talking it up and all that stuff. He's laying the groundwork. He's, he's yes. trying to get people excited about it so yes. that they start saying to their Congress people, hey, when are we going to have that Space Force? My kid wants to go into the Space Force <laughs> Academy. When is that going to happen? My podcast partner wants to go ahead and be the secretary of, of the Space, Space Force. Force. Yes. That would be so <laughs> awesome. Oh, my goodness. That you mentioned the business cards? And see, I, I, oh, yeah, that'd be a Great business card, galaxy on the side of it or something. Uh-huh. Um, ooh. Yes. Um, Imagine the background on the card. Just, I'm just saying. <laughs> that would be awesome. Now, see, okay, so if so, you bring listeners, up you brought listeners, up you should see the, the glee, the, the huge smile on Nia's face. Right, <laughs> that would be so great. So, okay, Nia, so Nia, let's... Nia right now doesn't want to talk about separation of powers, the Constitution, or any of that. Happy yeah, chance. no, I just want a space force. <laughs> yes, right. Yeah, okay. I just want to railroad Congress into giving me a space force. About this, Donald Trump and I agree, which. It's pretty rare for me to yeah, say. Yeah, well, yeah. Um, hey, I, I, but it's actually pretty rare for me to agree with most presidents. Cause think I'm, about the hatware. Think, <clears throat> oh, well, he would love the hatware as well. Uh, yeah, but I mean, you know. But, oh, my I mean, gosh, helmets with the things down the well, front. Yeah, oh. Yeah, yeah, I mean, oh, 
I could have one like the Mandalorian. Ah! Yeah, well, there you then go. Then I could get a baby Yoda and life would be complete. Uh, yeah, I, I, again, listeners, it's really too bad <laughs> you, you're not seeing the visual of this, right? Oh, man, baby Yoda. Okay, so, so you, you wanted to ask a substantive question before I derailed us? Probably not, but I'm going to go there anyway. Um <laughs> <laughs> so, but when we, when we, when the Congress created, I wasn't a member of Congress at the time, when the Congress created the the Department of Homeland Security, yes, it sort of sucked in yes agencies, yes agencies that had previously been independent. I'm thinking FEMA, yeah, FEMA which kind of got a little annoyed, would, I think, yeah. at being yeah, FEMA. suddenly reporting to someone else, right? Because FEMA had even been in cabinet meetings and stuff. They weren't a cabinet position, but they had been yeah, in those meetings, I mean, like when there were hurricanes or whatever, they would call that person in. Basically, in terms of the federal bureaucracy, you have um, three types of, if you will, organizations. You have departments, okay, and there's 15 of them, um, and they report um, whoever is the secretary of a particular department reports directly to the president, okay? And they are in the presidential line of succession after the Speaker. That's right. Right. Okay. So and, after the speaker, it starts down the. Yeah, the secretaries of the cabinet uh, of the departments uh, comprise um, what we refer to as the cabinet. Though interestingly enough, they hardly ever meet as a cabinet. Uh, they've kind of sort of been replaced uh, by the White House staff as the main advisors to the president. Then you have a, In, with this president. No, with pretty much since the 1930s. Oh, really? Okay, so all yeah. modern presidents, uh-huh. the cabinets don't generally yeah, pretty, meet. Yeah, pretty. Was much. that like once or twice a year they get together and yeah, that's when you see and the, have pizza and beer and no, have no. A, and have pictures made. <laughs> Look, that's all of them sitting around a table. The, the, the picture part, yes. Okay, the pizza and beer, yeah, they don't do that. Okay, I'm, I'm, it would be way we, more fun. Friend, yes. Oh, oh, hey, I would even be in a. I would be enthusiastic about that kind of meeting, okay, and, and, and as my students— And I know how you feel about meetings. Yeah, I was about to say, as my students well know, okay, if if I come to class and I'm uh, uh, Mr. Cranky Pants, they're just like, <laughs> you had a meeting today, didn't you? I'm like, yes, I hate those things, right, okay. But you'd go if there were pizza and beer. Oh, my goodness, yeah. Take, take note, poli side department. <laughs> right, okay. <laughs> Here's I, how you get your faculty to be more excited about faculty meetings. I would be even willing to write— or Take the minutes. That whoa, that's wow. Uh huh. Yeah. Okay, that's that's going all the way there. Okay, so the other two basic or uh, bureaucratic organizations in our federal government are independent regulatory commissions. Okay, Um, so an example would be the FDA, the Food and Drug Administration. Oh, or the Nuclear Regulatory Commission. Yeah, the NRC, the Federal uh, Communications Commission, Federal Election. Uh, uh, commission. SEC. Okay. Uh, yeah. I see. Okay. And they're designed to go ahead and be independent, meaning that uh, they have five commissioners typically, and um, uh, uh, no president can appoint more than three of them. They serve staggered terms, um, and they're designed to be politically independent so they can go ahead and regulate key or essential industries or activities in American society. So if you think about the Food and Drug Administration, you hope that their analysis of what is a safe drug is not clouded by politics. Right. right? Okay. Right. Okay. Um, and then you have uh, kind of sort of standalone agencies. Some of them are um, 
you know, government businesses, okay? U.S. Postal Service. I was going to say okay. post office. Okay. But you Our favorite. But you mentioned FEMA. NASA, okay, is, is a standalone, okay? Really? Yes, NASA is. So when I have my Space Force, you might, I could acquire NASA. You would, yes. So, <laughs> okay. In, 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 that was in, my evil laugh, by the way. <laughs> in case you couldn't tell, because <laughs> yeah, okay. it's not super different from my regular <laughs> laugh, but I was, I was about to say, it's, a little, it's a little different. I'm, I'm glad you uh, characterized that for us. <laughs> um, because I was not entirely sure how to, but <laughs> nevertheless, but when you you pointed out something uh, really important in regards to the creation of uh, a new government agency or department, and Homeland Security is a cabinet department, but what the Bush administration recommended to Congress, and there was some debate about this, was that uh, the Department of Homeland Security uh, would be comprised in part with agencies that used to be part of other departments, or in the case of FEMA, a standalone agency. And as you pointed out, um, staffers on uh, uh, at FEMA didn't want to be part of the Department of Homeland Security. Well, not, and the director didn't either. I mean, no, and, 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 and it's not that they necessarily disliked the Department of Homeland Security, right. they liked being a standalone agency. Right. Okay. Um, different funding, different, different hierarchy, and they, everything in the government is about hierarchy. Uh, How yes. many layers do you have to go up in order to get permission to do something? On the other I mean, hand, that just added another layer, layer before they could act on something. And, and those, you know, that's the negative, okay, if you will. But on the other hand, if you're a standalone agency, Oh, you can't duck. You can't duck the nobody, problem. If yeah, nobody protects you. Right. If if you okay. did it, you're going to have to own it. it. Yeah. And um, you know, and think about, for instance, post Hurricane Katrina, uh, the director of FEMA, uh, Michael Brown. Brownie. Uh, yeah, okay, Brownie. Um, <laughs> Good job, Brownie. <laughs> yes. Okay. One of the few things George Bush probably wishes he hadn't ever said. said yeah. Right. But. Okay, so for two days, he gets grilled. On the other hand, almost all other criticism post-Hurricane Katrina got directed to the Secretary of Homeland Security. Set Chertoff at the—I think that was Michael Chertoff, Chertoff at, the at the time, right? Um, and he took a beating. Oh, he took a beating. He took, uh, he a, took more of a beating than, than, than Michael Brown, Brown did. Yeah. Um, and so there, there are positives and negatives in regards to what your structure is as a federal— bureaucratic organization. But let's just say, you know, hypothetically with the Space Force. Now, a few moments ago, you went ahead and mentioned, um, would the Space Force be uh, the sixth unit in the Department of Defense? Well, that would be one of the questions that Congress would have to answer. Oh, so it could be an independent kind of thing altogether. Just they like could NASA. Say all the space things, we'll st we'll put all the space things together. Yes. And so we're going to create a space force, but it also has NASA and it has uh, all of the different projects that the are Star Wars missile right, defense. All of that kind of stuff uh -huh. could conceivably fall under. Oh, I'm liking this thing better and better as okay, my but, but that's as where, my power base. But if you're trying to get a new agency created, those are the kinds of questions that delay the approval process. Okay. Oh, because districts. 
yeah. because all of those people represent people who work in those districts who say, oh, heck no, I don't want to be part of. Or, heck yeah, get in, wait in there and put us in something so that we can be either more powerful or more. The nice thing about a new department is that it has a honeymoon period. Sure, it does. For a while, yes. it gets a lot of money thrown at it. It gets a lot of people thrown at it. Mm-hmm. Right? It gets a lot of leeway. It gets to make mistakes. It gets to do stuff. And then after a while, it starts getting hammered. Yeah, it gets treated like every other bureaucratic right, right, organization. Exactly. Right? right now, I mean, the, the blush is completely worn off of the Department of Homeland Security. Oh, yeah. Like that that happened probably, what, five years in, six years in? Yeah. Like okay. And then all of a sudden, nobody loves you anymore, and you have to get in there and fight for the money just like everybody else. That's right. But for, for, for a brief period of time, it's a pretty marvelous thing to be. Yeah. So at most, President Trump could create a director of the United States Space Force. But but he could do that tomorrow. He could do that tomorrow. He could issue an who, executive. Who would pay that person's salary? Well, at that point, more than likely, the White House would reallocate transfer funds from existing line items that don't have restrictions on it. Remember, in our budget discussion, uh, I know so much of the federal government's budget um, um, are in specific line items. But unless Congress puts a restriction on how you can spend the money, you can reallocate the money. Right, okay. which is what's happening with the Department of Defense and the wall. That's right. The southern border wall. That's right. Is m- money's just being moved around sure. to pay for it because... That's right, because Congress did not place restrictions on it. So the executive branch, they are the experts, remember? We have a a, a modern administrative state that's predicated on Congress creating these broad, if you will, policies, new agencies, and then basically saying to the agencies, you hire experts and we will give you discretion to solve the problem. Ah, see, this cuts both ways, right? Right. This isn't a Democratic or Republican, if you will, issue, okay? They will criticize when they are out of power or they don't like a particular policy or program. But both political parties, both ends of the ideological spectrum are like, well, I'm not entirely sure I like all that discretion being allocated to the executive branch. Oh, you did when your president was in charge. When you don't like a particular president, you're like, oh, hey, we got to rein that in. That's a bad practice. Okay. Doesn't this violate separation of powers? I'm like, well, the modern administrative state is basically predicated on Congress saying, hey, our constituents have said this is a problem. This is our solution. Now we're going to leave it to the executive branch, okay, to execute the law, to find the solutions, right? So what if President Trump convinces Congress that, you know, hey, the next world war is going to be in space and we need to be prepared for it, right? Probably not the worst idea. Okay. So, you know, let's say he convinces Congress, right? Um, Probably a little difficult since we have a a divided Congress. Or or let's say that NASA figures out that that thing that they've been hearing every 16 days (laughs) is a warning. Yes. uh, We're coming to kick your butt. We're coming to kick your butt. Right. Uh Like whatever. If they figured that out, all of a sudden a space force would look totally like a legit thing. I mean, that's what happened with Homeland Security, right, was the precipitating event of 9-11 caused 
the government to say and Congress to agree, we need a better strategy for how to deal with yes, it these types of issues. It galvanized, if you will, conversations that have been occurring in Washington, D.C. You know, some scholars, you know, point back as far as the Reagan administration, at least, okay, post-Cold War, right? So, oh, yeah, because the bombing in Beirut and uh, yes. Reagan. Okay, uh-huh. so there's yeah, a. Okay. And the embassies and all that stuff. But, also you know, post Cold War, um, you know, uh, uh, plenty of intelligence during the Clinton administration to suggest, okay, we aren't going to have another world war. Okay, we're going to have to fight terrorists. Um, but 9 11 galvanized all of that underlying conversation, all that noise. Okay. Now we have a Department of Homeland Security. Um, but then the question becomes, what responsibility do you give it? Okay, Do you take existing units from other uh, uh, agencies or departments, in the case of FEMA, a standalone? Okay, Do you put it into this new bureaucratic structure? Um, and those are the kinds of questions. Then you got funding, as you pointed out. Historically, what scholars have uh, have concluded is when we create a new agency, usually Congress, you know, can't throw enough money at the agency, right? right? But then after a period of time, typically five to eight years, you know, the, the bloom has come off, right? <laughs> okay, wow, that looks like a really dead and dying flower. Well, you guys are going to have to fight just like every other agency to get money, right. right? Well, and that's also about the length of time that it takes to make enemies. Yes. Right? Like, that's that's really part of it, is, yes. that, is that that's about the length of time that it takes to annoy the crap out of some pretty powerful people who say, you know what, I'm rethinking being nice to you. Well, I mean, think about it. Because, you know, when you first when you first enter it, like any situation, you know, you first go you're first hired in at a job. Yes. Everybody gives you the benefit of the doubt. You haven't made any waves. You haven't made any enemies. You haven't done anything by five years in. Man, you've pissed off some at least one or two people in your in your workplace or your boss or somebody. And now you're starting to have to really I mean, it's like, you know, new college change uh, how you interact, you know. It's just like an academic department hires a new faculty member. Usually the first couple of years, you know, they get the classes that they want to teach, right? right. You know, we try to make sure that, you know, if they're attending. But they're glad to be there. They're, they're and, and it was a good to, hire yes. and everybody fits and that's all good. Yeah. And after a couple of years. They're okay. like, guess what you're, <laughs> you're teaching. teaching, right? And you're teaching it at 9 o'clock at night <laughs> yes. you know, or whatever. Yeah. Or, yeah. You know. 8 o'clock in the morning, Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. <laughs> you enjoy that, right? The students don't want to be there. You don't want to be there. And then you start thinking, who did I upset? Okay. And then you, and then you're like, hmm, I guess I'm not the new kid on the block anymore. And, you know, and nobody's gone ahead and saying, wow, aren't they special? No, you're pretty much just like everybody (laughs) else now. Well, but the the good thing is, though, that eventually what what also happens is that you start to make what I think of as, at least in the Congress, and this is not the political science department or any department on campus because none of us are this powerful. But the, the, in the Congress, you start to make powerful friends, or, defenders of your yes. particular agency who pretty much will go to bat for you 
because they believe in the cause or because there's, you know what I mean? Like there's some yeah, attachment. They're, 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 any, a, they're a hawk, so they're all about defense. Or or John Glenn was all about NASA because he had a vested interest in sure. NASA. You know, those kinds of things. So you also kind of swing. You have that middle period of nobody, nobody adores you and now everything's starting to fall apart. But then you start to build connections and relationships yeah, I mean, because, I mean... So if the Space they're, they're, Force, if, if they're, you they're, eventually, right, when you first created, it's great, then it bleh, and then somebody who serves in the Space Force then goes to Congress. Or, I mean, you know, think about it in these terms. They could, I, they can believe in your purpose or mission, right? right. Um, uh, there might be uh, uh, a base or uh, a regional headquarters for that agency um, in a particular state or a particular uh-huh. district. Um, you brought 5,000 jobs to my area. And I'm going to go ahead and protect those jobs. Uh, you make relationships. Which is why there are military bases all over the United States. Sure. Part of it is for defense, but part of it is also that's a really smart way to spread your your effect on various Congress people sure. is to yeah. say, oh, but if you close, if if you start closing bases, whose yes. district are you gonna are yeah. you gonna sacrifice? Yeah, I mean, uh, when you and I did the podcast episode about the budget, I went ahead and talked to you about how there are two states in the country um, uh, that uh, have the uh, the highest percentage of their state gross domestic product. Um, uh, accounted for by federal government spending. Virginia. And California. Okay. And for the longest time, Virginia had Republican senators. California's had Democratic senators, you know, for years. But the one thing they could both agree <laughs> on, okay, these, you know, disparate senators was um, defense spending. Defense spending could not be cut. I mean, Senator Ted Kennedy, the liberal line, okay, in the U.S. Senate for decades, okay, from Massachusetts. Um, you know, there are a couple important uh, military bases, naval operations in Massachusetts, okay? And it was just bizarre listening to the liberal line say, we can't cut, you know, the Department of the, you know, uh, you know uh, 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 of the Navy, right? Right. In this case, going from lion to house cat. Yeah, right. I mean, okay, but then agencies. But also that's what he's supposed to, to do. do. He's supposed to represent the people of Massachusetts, protect their jobs, bring money. I mean, that's part of what. But, yeah, we. Elect, what all of that is for is yeah, this we, Congress is to protect. That's representation. Right. Okay. Um, agencies then develop uh, relationships with important um, industries, interest groups important stakeholders, okay? So and the Space Force is probably going to do a similar thing that the Air Force did when it's going to be connected to Boeing I mean, and and Mc, all of those McDonnell guys. McDonnell Douglas. Okay. All, all yes. those guys who yeah. do all of those So just, you know, plane-type building. You know, just thinking out loud here, think about the connections the Space Force would have with some of your larger, more potent technology firms, 
right? Oh, and Elon Musk would salivate <laughs> yeah, over a, right? over a spe- if he's right thinking because it, it's in the same thing that he's trying to do right? yeah. is to get more people in space, to get more active in space. I mean, and there's and NASA would also, I think, take great joy in the idea of more people in space, more activity in space. Let's see what we can do about cleaning up all the crap that is Already currently up there. Up there. I mean, yes. part of what Space Force is going to be is uh, is garbage disposal. Sure. Because <coughs> they're not going to be able to get up there without doing that first. But then think about colleges and universities. Oh. Oh, yeah. All the aerospace engineering programs. STEM. Right? I mean, we create a Space Force. Okay. We're going to need to go ahead and educate. Okay, the people who will be working, working in there, it. right? Okay, and the federal government would have a vested interest in making sure that colleges and universities were one, you know, teaching, okay, a whole bunch of students on the, you know, needs of the Space Force um, so that they are ready to go ahead and be. You know, good federal government bureaucrats. Okay. <laughs> well, and <laughs> and from from the humanities point of view, diplomacy and political science are going to play into it because space, unlike anything else <laughs> based in the United, based on Earth, is everybody. Like, sure. So you're going to have to make relationships with other nations. Yeah, who owns space? Along the, along, right, along the lines of what the International Space Station had to do. It had to be a multi-nation creation because yeah, it you know, just wasn't going to work without that. Yeah, where are, na- where are nation-state jurisdictions? Okay, Exactly. In space. In space, right. right. <laughs> okay. No such thing. <laughs> right, okay. You know, you know, the expression brave new world, well, yeah, this is definitely going to go ahead and apply if all of a sudden, you know, nation states begin to view space as the next frontier, okay, of international relations. I mean, I could just see my, you know, my colleague Chris Aladino <laughs> teaching uh, international diplomacy in space, right? <laughs> okay. Which you'd have to have. Yeah, you would have to have, right? So there are spinoffs here to where once you create a federal government agency, you know, the old joke among uh, public administration and policy scholars is um, federal government agencies uh, don't die. They just morph and evolve <laughs> into something else, right? Yeah. Okay. So, you know, again, uh, 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 a few moments ago at the beginning of this podcast, I was talking about the, the post office, okay? And one of the things that you and I talked about in that podcast episode about the post office, about the history and evolution of it, is you would kind of sort of think today, particularly with, okay, the younger generations, we would not need a post office. But the post office today is just as essential to the nation's economy in certain age groups as it was when it was first created, right? I mean, think about- Amazon couldn't survive survive without the post office. Okay. You know, think about, for instance, you know, something like the Social Security Administration that was authorized at its inception for three years, (laughs) okay? 1935 through 1938. It's carried on a little bit, huh? Yeah. And at one- Although with the new budget- Maybe not. But <laughs> at one point, the United States Supreme Court ruled on its constitutionality. The Supreme Court could have gone ahead and killed it, but it did not. Now we are three generations into the Social Security Administration. It's changing involved, including, okay, you know, um, 
a survivor benefits program, a disabilities benefit benefits program. Okay, there are millions of Americans that rely on the Social Security uh, uh, Administration who aren't old. Right. That's how agencies go ahead and develop stakeholders, right? Okay. Right. As they start saying, there's this other group that's falling between the cracks. cracks. What can we do? Ooh, yes. Oh, turns out your agency is probably best to handle that. Sure. Right. And so you end up being the agency that, that does something. Yeah. I mean, uh, our first podcast episode that we recorded was about the nomination of a new secretary for health and human services. You know, prior to the... Secretary past, Azar, sorry, who is still there. there. But prior to the passage of the Affordable Care Act, Health and Human Services was one of those really small departments, right? Not non-essential, but most Americans would not go ahead and say, oh, Health and Human Services. Hey, they do bang up. Most Americans couldn't even pick it out, right? Right. But post-Affordable Care Act, Health and Human Services played a huge role in the execution of that law, right? So all of a sudden, you know... We need to have, okay, somebody. And was blamed incredibly, incredibly for when the rollout went. Went sideways. Went sideways. Right? Again, you were talking about getting beaten up. <laughs> yes. Like, right. oh, it's fine. Oh, 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 this is a mistake. Mistakes were made. Mistakes were made. Right. Right. right like, okay. But for that agency or for that department to not have, okay, a permanent secretary would be catastrophic over an extended period of time. So, of course, you need to nominate somebody to be the Secretary of Health and Human Services. And as you pointed out, um, uh, it's even more important when you have a, a global health issue like the coronavirus where, you know, there are a number of agencies that are part of the broad umbrella of health and human services who are now being asked by members of Congress, you better protect Americans. Yeah. What are you doing, CDC, to keep us all from dying? That's right. Okay. And the CDC is like, oh, turns out our kits may not be working as well as we don't. Right. But yes, they're going to take some heat for that. But he's going to take some heat for that. That's right. Because that rolls upwards. Yes. So Donald Trump, you know, wants the, a, a space force. See, I'm not sure that he and I want space forces for the same reason. I think he wants a space force because he thinks it's cool. Yeah, and it's part of his legacy. Uh, right. Presidents want legacies. Right. I mean, he, he wants gets, to he wants to do something that he, he if 50 he gets, years from now people will say, "Oh, that happened under I under mean, President Trump." You want to do it because you want to be in those cool uniforms. I (laughs) want to do it because, well, yeah, but also because I, I, and maybe Donald Trump and I share this. I don't know because he's never said it publicly, Mm -hmm. Um, but I have a sort of big R romantic view of space. Like space is this sort of magical place for me. And part of that is because I am the Star Wars generation. I saw Star Wars in the theater when it first came out, Mm -hmm. and it altered the way I see movies. It was different, and it was huge, right? It was just this sort of huge, but it was still this sort of, and by romantic, I mean mean like sort of Byronic romance, the sort of poetic romance, which Mm -hmm. is how I perceive space. But there's another practical part of me, the Homeland Security part of me, that says, also, I don't want there to be weapons in space. Like, we need 
there needs to be an organization that yeah. What are the protocols that do discourages? We, do we have an arms agreement right. on on space weapons? Exactly. That discourages okay. things where we just where yeah, it gets it, it could it, get really out of hand really quickly. I, mean, I, I think you so. Mean, I have both of those parts of me. I wonder if he's a little more in the practical yeah, realm of of yeah. being more more. Security oriented and slightly, probably less romantically oriented in it. Yeah, I mean, you know, you and I are of a generation where um, space exploration made sense because that was the next thing to explore. Right. Okay. Um, and and it was a good thing in and of itself. Self. Like it was intrinsically and good. And there were very few discussions among policymakers that spending billions of dollars on space exploration uh, meant um, that we weren't spending money on needy people, which is, you know, part of the dialogue today. Right. Okay, is, well, if we're doing X, why aren't we helping out Y? Um, You know, we're of the generation where, of course, you're going to explore the unknown because that's what we do as human beings. And... I think, at least in terms of American political culture, um, I'm not entirely sure um, uh, all generations still possess that, okay? That, you know, that that wonderment, that awe. Yes, this is the next thing we should do, okay? Um, I think there's more of the pragmatic and there's more of the, well, why are we spending – why would we spend money on a space force – um, when we have, you know, uh, this huge gap between the rich and the poor, uh, we have these, you we know, have a homeless crisis. Yes, we, we have, have an opiates crisis. Right. Okay. We have so, lots yes, of things, things okay, to try to fix. fix. That's right. And, and I agree with that. We do have lots yeah. of things, but it doesn't mean we can't not do both. We can do both. We can. Well, I mean, it, it's kind of sort of like the difficulty when you're raising a child. On one hand, you want to encourage the child to be curious, to be fascinated by the world around them. On the other hand, you want to inculcate very pragmatic lessons so that they can actually navigate the world that they either currently live in or will live in. And that's a balancing between the ideal versus the pragmatic, right? I mean, on one hand, I want to go ahead and teach my daughter, um, yes, dream, Dream all the time. Dream big. Okay. Uh, dr- dr- you may, in fact, be an Oscar-winning actress one day. Sure. But you should probably get an education just, just in, in case. Just in case, right? In okay. case that doesn't work. Yeah. Because millions of women try to be Oscar-winning actresses, and mm-hmm. each year one of them or two of them get picked. And I, re- I remember um, uh, the nuns of my youth when they weren't um, – uh, destroying their rollers by cracking my <laughs> knuckles. Uh, um, Which you deserved. No, of course I deserved. Okay, I was terrible. Okay. <laughs> you know, for those of you who know me, if you wonder... Uh, Note to the chair of the poly department. department. Perhaps you just need to get out a ruler, ruler. occasionally. Yeah. <laughs> okay. But uh, they would ask us questions like, you know, what do you want to be when you grow up? You know, kids get asked that question. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and I was forever, you know, putting down I want to be the start, you know, the starting catcher for the New York Yankees. Oh, really? Yeah. Um, I mean, w- well into middle school, right? The nuns never went ahead and said, that's never going to happen. Okay. But what the nuns always did say to me and my classmates was, okay, but just in case, 
don't you think you ought to be able to, you know, uh, diagram a sentence? Okay. Don't you think you ought to be able to go ahead and do basic addition and subtraction? Yeah, you should be able to balance your checkbook Checkbook. so that when you're the catching, the starting (laughs) catcher for for the the Yankees, Yankees, you can manage your money. money. That's right. I mean, Um, yeah, no, seriously, how many athletes are taught how to manage their money? They're not. Right, which is why you see, you know, I bought a car for my mom and my girlfriend and my dad, and I don't have any money. Yes. Because, I, you know, I chose to do those things and perhaps... Orders that wouldn't have been good. And if you think about that in terms of public policy, you know, that's one of the tensions. I mean, because, you know, if I was a member of Congress and a president came to Congress and said, "Okay, in my budget, um, uh, I want money to do uh, a detailed study of something I'm going to want Congress in the next five years to create a space force. Okay, you know, one of the questions I would have is, okay, in part, well, you know, why, right? I mean, the, 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 these are basic public. Why policies. do we need a, s- a space, space force? force? Yes. What do you perceive it? Its function as its the, mission? What's? Yeah, I mean, and and um, who's going to conduct the study? How are we going to measure measure costs versus benefits? Um, I mean, because some benefits are intangible. Okay, so if we're you know exploring right, magic is hard to yeah right quantify. Um, you know, and and that's part of the difficulty in trying to evaluate uh, new public policy is, you know, some of the benefits are one intangible, but moreover, even they they may not materialize for ten, fifteen, twenty years. Right. Okay, so you know. A lot of practical knowledge actually came from the U.S. space program. Oh, yeah. No. Well, and lots of gadgets, lots of cool stuff Stuff. that works on Earth. They discovered by doing it in space space. or building it for For space. space. Okay. And And those black boxes that you get in planes, that comes out of NASA, I believe, because it's the whole idea of what can we do that's practically indestructible so we will have a record of what happened. Yeah, good or bad, right? Exactly. So, but... Not to mention pens that write upside down. (laughs) Hello. (laughs) And as director, I will be signing everything upside down, just so you know. Why is she laying on her desk upside down to sign that? Because she can. All the media organizations <laughs> will be, so, will be so upset with your press conferences because their travel budgets will go up exponentially just to go ahead and cover your press conferences, all of which will be in space. In right. zero G. <laughs> That's, That's right. right. Okay. <laughs> okay. Find something to hang on to. <laughs> We're going to have a press conference. <laughs> Just, there's just, some real benefit to that, don't you think? They, they will have to. Nobody will look bad because everybody's hair will just be standing straight on end. They'll have to create a, a new minor at minimum in mass com oh. in mass com departments just to go ahead and That's report right. on space journalism for, in space. <laughs> journalism in, in space, space right? right? Like um, like pigs in space from uh, yeah. the Muppets. Right. Remember? Yes, pigs in space. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> There'll be dot and, dot, and it's so Miss Miss Piggy. I'm Miss Piggy. This yeah, is yeah. The, I'm well, of Ms. course. Piggy I mean, diva like moi. Yeah, yeah, right. Um, okay. Yeah. Um, um, I'm trying to figure out what Muppet character I would I be, but nevertheless, see, but I can see 
eventually how awesome it would be instead of going to the zoo for the 15th time when you're yeah. a kid yeah you know because you know you always have the same if you are unfortunate enough to grow up in the same part of the united states for your entire childhood you will go to the same things like year after year you go to the zoo you go to the capitol building you go yeah. to write certain things can you imagine being able to take kids into a zero-G environment and say, this is what space looks like. And here, turn around. That's what the Earth looks like. Turns out it's a sphere. Okay. Argument over. Let's move on. You know, and Phil, you know, <laughs> Phil trips to outer space. <laughs> Wouldn't that be great? I mean, your parents would have to sign off, obviously, because it's potentially deadly. But Oh, yeah. You imagine the— But so is going to the zoo. I I've mean, seen kids do stuff at zoos that I think— You imagine— I bet the, your parents didn't waiver, sign off for that. You imagine the waiver forms. <laughs> It'd be very long. <laughs> Be like multiple pages, eighteen pages, right? <laughs> okay. Oh, hey, I mean, you're. But parents would line up to be the chaperones. Chaperones. Oh, oh yeah. they'd be like, no, no, my kid can't go without me. <laughs> yeah. It'd be great. Uh, which, you know, my I now by the way saying I, I I'm I'm not entirely sure that that's a good justification for creating the Space Force program. <laughs> but as a parent of a seven-year-old... See? I, you would, I, wouldn't that be great for you? I, 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 I'm, like, I'm, oh, my kid can't go without me. Yeah, yeah. I'm kind of sort of thinking that, you know, now I might be supportive of this, <laughs> right? Okay. I... The, 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 no more trips to the Children's Museum. Uh, the hell with that. My, my mom <laughs> um, was a stay-at-home mom until I was a little bit older. Yeah. And so early on, she did all the, yeah. she went to the zoo and she went to the Capitol building and she went to the, you know, the children's museum and she went to the art museum where they would always have art things for kids, right? So, and all that kind of stuff. And I think if I had said to my mom, how'd you like to go to space? My mom would have been in. I mean, I think she would have said, where do we sign? Let's go. And, and you had multiple siblings, okay? And, and I have, uh, uh, two, uh, an, an older sister and a younger sister. And we're like within five years of one another. So my mom, okay. Um, would have gone to space. She would have been like, oh, thank God we're not going to that museum again. I mean, because right. she was just like, you know, you know, I, I, I can't do this anymore. Right. But, you know, if they if, if they would have said to her, hey, you know, uh, Mrs. Augenbaugh, um, we need you to be the chaperone so we can go to the uh, Space Force um, uh, station. She would be like, yes, please. <laughs> I mean, because she was a, a huge fan of, of President Kennedy. Right. You know, he's the one. Well, and Star Trek and Star Wars and, yes. you know, Lost in Space, even yes. Danger Will Robinson. Yes. I mean, like all of all Battlestar of that. Battlestar Galactica. Right. right. Um, uh, yes. uh, Babylon 5. All of it yes. plays into our fascination. With, yes. Yes. Yeah. With out there and yeah. what's out there and what happens when we go out there. And, and, and please forgive me, listeners. I'm not a huge science fiction fan, but all all the shows and movies you just mentioned, I saw. Right. And and even I, who, again, I'm not a huge fan of science fiction, I would have been like, oh, this is so much better than that damn museum. Okay, we, <laughs> we, we went to like over and over again, right? Or the state park. I was just like, 
man, I've seen some of these frogs so often. Okay, I'm pretty much I've named a, them. Um, I've named them, right? <laughs> I know their family members, right? <laughs> okay, yes. I know who spawned whom here, right? <laughs> I'm done. <laughs> I'm done, right? Yeah. I cannot take another canoe trip. I'm sorry, okay? Because <laughs> um, I keep on falling into that, you know, damn river. Okay, no, let's move on. Yeah. Okay. Of course, okay. I guess the equivalent to falling in the river in space is being pushed out of a lock or something. But Okay, that's again why think, you had the waiver. Yeah, and yes. I don't think space is nearly as dangerous as movies make it out to be because <laughs> NASA has protocols for everything. everything. Yes. Everything. Oh, you need to have your lady time in space? <laughs> we have a plan for that. Oh, you need to go to the bathroom? We have a plan for that. Oh, you need to eat, but you need to eat, I don't know, or, you know, Tang, right? Well, Tang, um, which oh, came yeah. directly yeah, out of NASA, yeah, so, yeah. right? Like, we can give you vitamins in space so that you don't get scurvy, right? Like, yes, there's a plan for everything, which is comforting to me. Um, yeah. My brother works at NASA. He's an, he's an aerospace engineer, and he shakes things up for a living. He works in their vibration <laughs> testing lab. Where, and I... And um, he would not say that he shakes things up for a living. That's me dumbing down his job because I don't understand engineering. But he 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 talked to me one time about going to look at one of the shuttles while it was on the pad. Oh man, that would be um, so cool in Florida, yeah, right? Yeah. And he said he had never felt so small. Mm-hmm. He said, you have no idea mm-hmm. how huge it is and how far up it goes. Like he said, you look up into the sky and it disappears out of view mm-hmm. because it's so big. Yeah, yeah. We don't take into account how big they are, right? And so, but what was interesting for me to to listen to about that, my brother is a very practical, oh, he's pragmatic, an engineer. he's an engineer. Yeah, yeah right. He writes in those capital letters, right? You know, like how they all write in capital letters. <laughs> yeah. I mean, he doesn't have a script. He, I don't know that he ever signed his name with a, like a scripted. Ver- he just prints his name. You know, yeah. he's very he's that guy. And even he, when he was talking about it, you could hear sort oh, yeah. of this. Yeah, the the tone of the, the voice wonder yeah. in his voice. Yes. and and yeah. Yeah. this is a person who's been doing this for thirty some years. Sure. So. I really think that there's something romantic about it that that is um, that attracts people like me. I, I, as I mentioned, I'm not entirely sure that's what att- attracts Donald Trump, but I also think that Donald Trump is a showman, oh. and there's very little that is showier than space. This space would, is awfully showy. This would right? be on primetime TV, right. okay. Uh, there would be bands. There would be media coverage. Okay. <gasps> Can you imagine the parade? <laughs> the parade would be amazing. I'm just saying. But, I mean, I don't think you should discount. And and, and I know it's in, in this day and age, it's easy to be critical of uh, Donald Trump, okay, or any president. Um, but, you know, don't discount the fact that uh, presidents um, – have egos, some larger than others, and they want to be known for something when they're no longer in office, right? Um, you know, they may want to do good, they may want to make America great again, or whatever the case may be. But you know, they're concerned about their legacy, particularly if you know they serve two terms, right? Right. They want to be known. They they want to be known for something good, right? Um, and 
you know, one of the legacies, for instance, of, of President Kennedy uh, was that, you know, he spurred, you know, the United States federal government into exploring space. Um, right. Um, we will have a man on the moon by the end of a decade. They get it. That's right. Although I think he said decade. Yes. Because he's from Massachusetts. Massachusetts right? And so he said it a little differently. Yeah. You know, the, but, the Massachusetts accent, right? Um, but he meant it. Yeah. And it uh, happened. Yeah. yeah. And, um, and, 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 you know, in Paul. He meant it, but then Johnson carried the legacy. legacy. And then Nixon. Nixon carried the, the legacy. legacy. I mean, people carried that onward to do other things. Reagan. Yeah. Right. They, they carried those legacies forward. So I, that's the other thing is the person after Trump, if Trump does get a space force, force, convinces Congress to authorize it, yeah. Then it will also be the next president will carry it. I assume we'll carry it on, and yeah, because again, you know, that's a huge commitment. You convince Congress to go ahead and do it. I mean, you know, no member of Congress wants to go ahead and say, "Yeah, I, I, I voted to create that agent uh, agency, but now I think you know they do shit work." No, <laughs> nobody says that. So do president, but presidents can could go to Congress and kill an agency if they wanted to. Like, you remember in the member a thousand years ago, um, in the election. Where, where Donald Trump became the front runner, but before that there were about four hundred people on the yeah, Republican Rick side. Yeah, Rick Perry said he wanted to get rid of three agencies, and then he couldn't he couldn't remember which ones, which is fine because he's in charge of one of the ones he wanted to get rid of. Yeah, energy. Um, can you just do that? Can you just say, "And I'm washing my hands of energy. Well, That's it. We're not having it anymore." You got to get Congress to pass a law that disbands an agency. Okay. So again, presidents can't just no. They can talk the talk, but they have to. Yeah. They have to have Congress in hand to walk that walk. Yeah, and again, this is an example of separate but shared powers, or what gets taught in high school: checks and balances. I hate that phrase, by the way. <laughs> but nevertheless, oh, mental note: use that often. <laughs> yeah, right. Okay, um, it's, I'm kidding. It's, no, that's all right. <laughs> you know, I know what buttons to push with you, and I had you fired up last week. <laughs> About the, about the Iowa caucuses. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah, and earlier today. I'm, okay. <laughs> yeah. Mental, right, mental notes that. here, right? Yeah. I'll, okay. I'll uh, watch out. You know, it's kind of sort of like, you know, with with your family members, particularly your siblings. I mean, you spend enough time with them. After a while, you're just like, uh, oh. <laughs> I know exactly, exactly how to get your goat. Yeah. Is that your goat you've got behind you? Here, let, really, me, put, let me jab that a little, little bit. bit. Yeah, 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 right? But, I mean, it, 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 this is an example of separate but shared powers, right? I mean— on one hand, it would be extremely efficient if a president could just say tomorrow, I don't think this agency does anything worthwhile, meaningful, and in my budget that I've just submitted to Congress, which, by the way, Donald Trump submitted his budget earlier this week. I know. We're going to talk about it soon, right? Okay, yes, we are. Okay. <laughs> uh, and, and as I joked with my students, uh, Donald Trump uh, continued on with the presidential tradition of submitting his budget late. It was a week late. It's supposed to be the first Monday of February. He submitted it the second. <laughs> Although that's less late than a lot of other presidents. Well, you know, hey, that's fine. And you can go ahead and say, well, you had the impeachment in State of the Union. <laughs> blah, blah, blah. Right? Blah, blah, blah. blah. You didn't turn it in yeah, on yeah, right? time. So you have only you can only get as much as a B on it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You can't get an A on this anymore. You know, the, 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 this is John Ogdenbaugh uh, channeling his uh, inner cranky professor. Blah, blah, blah. What's your <laughs> excuse? Right? Oh, wouldn't it be cool if you said to the president, um, for every day you're, you're late, late, we shave off a, a million dollars or a billion dollars or whatever? 
instead of grades. I would love that. That would be on time. I mean, they'd be on time or early after that. If you said, okay, but this is what's going to happen. But didn't but we discussed this, and people can go back and listen to the budgeting um, episodes if they want. We discussed the fact that it's really a starting point. Mm-hmm. His budget is more like, here's my first foray into this discussion, yeah. and then Congress comes back and says, here's our first foray, and then there's, yeah, it, it's, it, it goes a, back and forth for yeah, quite a while. Yeah, it's the start of a conversation. But uh, a president, but he can't just president, take that out of it. Yeah, he couldn't just take out yeah. the Department of Defense. We're not going to have defense anymore. We feel pretty well defended. What's Canada going to do? What's Mexico going to do? Leave yeah, us we, alone. Yeah, we have two buffers. We have Canada yeah, to the north, fine. we have Mexico exactly. to the south. You know, what do we got to worry about? We got two oceans on either side of us. Yeah, okay. don't mess with us. We'll see you coming and we can worry, work, about it, work, it, work it out if we need to. Um, so, you know, a president can submit a budget. And basically, if you will, you know, slash an agency's budget. But then Congress can just go ahead and say, yeah, hey, thanks for sharing. And we're going to return its funding to its previous uh, 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 levels. So a president has to convince Congress. You know, so I'm on right now. Not so warm and fuzzy fuzzy with Congress. No. Because even though, and I know we're going to talk about impeachment at some point, um, but the Space Force is obsessing me here lately. even though he did not, he was not found guilty in the trial in the Senate. It's not like there was a whole warm, fuzzy no. up with Donald Trump in the Senate mm. going on. Mm. So it's unlikely that if he came in and said, "I want to slash the Department of Energy," that people would get behind him. No, I mean because you basically know that the House of Representatives, controlled by the opposition party, is going to say no to the request. He more than likely will lose, you know, he would lose a handful of even Republican senators. So even though the Republicans have a majority in the Senate, okay, that wouldn't go anywhere. Okay, we just know this, right? Right. Um, I'm old enough to remember when Ronald Reagan was running for president in 1980 against Jimmy Carter, and he said he wanted to get rid of two federal government agencies, and he could actually remember what those were. <laughs> I'm sorry. I, it, it was easy. Yeah. Okay. Low-hanging fruit. For low-hanging fruit. Uh-huh. Okay. You know, it's like that ball and tee ball. It's right there on the tee, <laughs> and I got to bat my hand, right? <laughs> Uh, Reagan said he wanted to get rid of the Federal Department of Education and uh, the Department of Energy, right? Why does everybody pick on energy? Um, I I think because in part um, uh, the the Department of Energy, at least for uh, the private sector, seems to be redundant, right? It's not like the nation has lacked for energy sources. You know, so frequently it's a matter of which energy sources are going to be subsidized, promoted, et cetera. Um, edu- well, can edu- I just say that it is a little rich for the governor of California to be saying, I'm going to get rid of the of the energy, of the Department of Energy, considering oh, the governor what's of going Texas. on? No, no, no. Oh. No, Ronald Reagan. You said Ronald Reagan, right? Yeah. I, I'm just saying that now California is having enormous problems with PG&E, right? It's it's having enormous problems with its energy. Yeah, but I mean infrastructure. Ra- okay, I'm going to play devil's advocate now. Reagan would have gone ahead, would go ahead and say the reason why the primary energy company in California is filing for bankruptcy is because the onerous 
California state regulations, okay, that have been uh, uh, on, okay, that company for decades. Hmm. You see how those arguments can be spun both ways? Yeah. Yeah. No, I can yeah, see yeah, that. Okay. Now, the Department of Education one was um, uh, was rooted in the idea that all 50 states have departments of education. Right. That okay. that should be a state matter. It was, redun- I, it, was I mean, redu- it was redundant to go ahead and create it in the first place. I disagree. However, oh, I, yeah, I so see do the I. point. Yeah, yeah. But I do see the point that, oh, that, sure. that education is also a local issue in the sense that what I'm just going to say, if you're going to run listeners for any position oh. locally, run for the state I mean, run for your, sorry, for your local school board. school board. Oh, my goodness. More power there than there is in just about any other part of government that's accessible to you, yeah. that's that's accessible to run for. Yeah. Um, if you want to get yeah. involved in Did. politics, start at the local level and specifically school boards. They have such a huge impact. You're talking about, you know, policy affecting, you know, in some cases – Thousands of kids. You're talking about property for tax multiple generations. You know, potentially pro- property tax issues, debates between school boards, zoning, and, 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 and criminal justice. Issues. I mean, like the whole. They just deal with yes everything. If yeah. you really want to muck in. But anyways, back to my example. I mean, Reagan comes into office. He wins, right? And he went ahead and suggested to Congress that, you know, we cut two agencies. And um, uh, uh, Congress was just like, hey, thanks for sharing. (laughs) Didn't go anywhere. How nice for you, Mr. President. Yeah, right. Have some jelly beans. We'll get back to you in a (laughs) little bit. Okay. So, I mean, so on one hand. Now, if an agency was, was totally outdated, do you think they would? Have they ever gotten rid of one? I mean, off the top of your head. Not off, the, off the top of my head, I can't recall. I mean, I, I remember reading scholarly works that talked about federal agencies that um, eventually got replaced, but their, some of their functions got folded into other agencies, okay? Right, sort uh, of yeah. dissolved oh, through uh, attrition. Okay, now not- I, I got one. Uh, uh, in fact, interestingly enough, it was the first independent regulatory commission this country ever had. Uh, the ICC, the Interstate Commerce Commission, no longer exists. Okay. Well, but the Department of Transportation probably does, does that all kind of, of that stuff, stuff anyways. And then a bunch of other stuff. Yeah, because the ICC was created uh, to regulate, in particular, railroads, and the Department of Transportation Definitely regulates railroads. Okay. Oh, speaking so, of so uh, agencies don't really die; they just sort of drift into another agency. Morph, evolve. They, yes. Okay. Yeah. They okay. become something else. So, for those of you who are so fearful, don't feel bad for agencies. Uh, so, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm just saying. Yeah. I mean, if hey, you have a soft heart and you're like, oh, I, I'm we're an agency, I, I'm an institution. It's probably going to be fine. Yeah. Right. <laughs> um, I'm an institutional, so like dumb agencies are fine, right? <laughs> so for those of you who are fearful that a President Trump will just unilaterally create a space force, for whatever good reasons you have to be fearful. Or bad reasons. Okay. Recognize it's not going to happen unless 
the president can convince Congress. For those of you who want the Space Force, like tomorrow, so you can become the secretary of the Space Force. Yay. Okay. Um, it ain't going to happen tomorrow. Okay. Because <laughs> the president has to convince the Congress. Okay. Well, and then I assume it has to move at congressional pace, which is, I believe, glacial in nature. Yes. Um, See our podcast on how a bill becomes a law. <laughs> right. So, <laughs> yeah, I mean. <laughs> so even even if everybody tomorrow said space force, space force, it still would take. Yeah, we have pep rallies. It, would, it still would take a long time. You know, kids are writing letters to the you know members of Congress. Okay. Congress even starts a bill, but then it has to go all the way through, and then the Senate. Yeah, we had a whole discussion about how it that's, goes to committees that's maybe even to a sub- subcommittee yeah yeah i mean so i'm not getting this anytime soon no okay <laughs> can't but we but we do know that it can happen easily within a presidency sure so it's not as if it couldn't happen over the next if donald trump is reelected four years or if he can bring about the the zeitgeist for it there is um, uh, a theory um, that was uh, uh, put out by uh, public policy scholar uh, John Kingdon. Um, it, it, it's the the, the layperson's uh, uh, title for it is the garbage can theory of public policy making, and basically he goes ahead and says, at any time. Um, uh, with a public policy issue, there are three garbage cans. Okay, you have a, a, an ideas garbage can, you have an entrepreneur's garbage can, and then you have like a political leadership garbage can, right? And those cans will come together with a new policy, okay, a significant policy change when there's a window of opportunity. So. When I'm teaching public policy, I give the example of how the Great Depression, okay, led to many of the New Deal programs. The policy entrepreneur was, um, you know, uh, progressives who for years had said the government, okay, needed to take a more active role in the economy. Um, There were various, if you will, ideas floating around for how to do it, and the leadership came from FDR. Okay, but the window of opportunity is what you need, according to John Kingdon. Otherwise, you're just going to have incremental policy change, very small changes. So let's just say tomorrow, okay, uh, and please forgive me, I, I, this is the first nation state that pops into my head. Let's say tomorrow uh, the Russian government decides that um, it wants to take control of space. Okay. Okay. Um, and probably one of the only other nations in the world, the world that could, could do, do it. it, right? And the Trump administration says, "Okay, um, we need a space force to fight, okay, uh, uh, the uh, Russians and uh, Russian intentions in space." Okay, um, could that be the window of opportunity? Maybe. Otherwise, it will be as you just described: slow glacial change. The 9-11 attacks, okay? I see. A window of opportunity. If aliens attacked us, yes, there would, would probably be, be, be a – it would go quickly. We, yeah, it would go quickly, right? Because after 9-11, we get the USA Patriot Act like that. that. I mean, it was With, fast. Yes, within a couple months. 
for a huge, huge bill. bill. It's several thousand. Well, no, it's it's a thousand pages. Oh, it's yes, something like that. that. Several it's hundred pages. pages, right? And yeah. Or or think about the space race. Once the Russians. Oh. Okay. Sputnik. Okay, Sputnik. All of a sudden, you know, President, we panicked. Yeah. How can we fall behind the Soviets? Yeah, we can, this can't be allowed to happen. This cannot be allowed to happen. We're fighting a cold war against the Soviet Union, okay? And they already got a manned aircraft, okay? Uh-uh. My, my uh, sorry, I know we need to wrap up, but I want to tell you something. My father once described to me Sputnik going over the United States, and he said, you could hear it beeping ominously in Russian. <laughs> Which he he was laughing, but he was trying to say how that was reacted to in the United States, right? That, how was we, how was it? We perceived? reacted yes. as this. Oh, this yeah. is this is an immediate threat. This thing is terrible. And he yes. said it was probably put together with gum and duct tape. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? Like it probably was barely holding its own, but it was enough to scare us. So I hear yes. what you're saying on that with yeah. that moment brings about a change that's much faster than would have come otherwise. Yeah, because, you know, otherwise, most public policy, particularly in democracies, is slow and incremental, right? Which is good. Yeah. We because have, that allows that allows for there to be adjustments. Yeah. You um, know, and you don't make maybe such rash decisions. Yeah. Um, and, you know. Most of the time, that is good, and, and, it's, it, it's, and sometimes it's, it's not, not civil so rights. It's, yeah, it's not it's, good. It's not good, right? I, t- I take your point. There's, okay. there's times when that's not good, but it's very reflective of not only some structural barriers to rapid change, but it also reflects the fact that you know uh, the American political culture historically has um, not been all that keen for grand sweeping policy change. <laughs> Okay, Um, and maybe that will be different in this millennium, but at least for the roughly first 225 years of the nation's existence, that's not been the norm. The norm's been incremental policy change. So, so um, I know we're going to wrap up, but will you write a letter for me for recommendation for me to be in charge of this? Oh my goodness, yes. Okay. Yeah, I'd be happy to. Okay, (laughs) both substantively, but also. Um, you're just uh, uh, incredible enthusiasm. Okay, I mean, you know, the, 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 this is in many ways um, an undefined um, leadership position. Yeah, it'll be exciting to see where it goes. Yes, and, it, it, yeah. and I say that honestly with with hope in my heart that something that we have some forward movement in our space program because I'm just I'm a romantic and I think it's wonderful. So, thank you. You are welcome. You've been listening to Civil Discourse, brought to you by VCU Libraries. Opinions expressed are solely the speaker's own and do not reflect the views or opinions of VCU or VCU Libraries. Special thanks to the Workshop for Technical Assistance. Music by Isaac Hobson. Find more information at guides.library.vcu.edu slash discourse. As always, no documents were harmed in the making of this podcast.